today, and I, I really feel like the Lord has led this. It's always hard to follow Easter, like following these three preachers that were on the platform a while ago. It's hard to do, and, um, but it's always hard to follow Easter, but, you know, I felt the Lord really begin to direct my thoughts here in my prayer time, and when I say that, let me say this to you and take you into the world of the preacher for a moment. You know, we get a word from God, but that doesn't mean that we have a voice that speaks to us in the night. Or it doesn't mean we have an angel that appears to us in our early morning devotions saying, Thus saith the Lord, go thou to Hebrews Assemblyist, and speaketh out the wordest of the Lord. We don't have that happen, but we have impressions in our heart. Things begin to kind of just begin to just resound. Our own private devotions begin to kind of narrow in a certain way, you know, because there's a plurality of thoughts that I could bring to this uh, podium today and minister to you. And so, but I want, to, I want it to narrow. I want it to say, God, what's the word for the people today? What, what can we speak more de- definitely into their lives that's going to help them with such a wide range of people? Well, I believe that I've got that word today. I believe it's something that's marked my life in a very positive way. I believe it will mark your life. If you allow me to be a teacher today, you know, latter few weeks I've been preaching like Leroy, and, uh, but today that's okay. I'll be probably preaching like Lee, Lee Anthony, and, uh, but I'll tell you what, I've got a word And it's going to help you. It will help you develop in your faith. It will help you walk. It will help you become the person God's called you to be. Stand up with me as you turn to Romans chapter number 10. If you didn't bring your Bible, they're going to put it on the screen here. We appreciate everybody. We appreciate those that are serving in our sound booth equally as well. And whatever role, passion, position you play here at First Assembly, you help us do what we do every Sunday. And we're going to only read three verses to start out with today. And then we're going to pray. And then we're going to sit back down. We're going to begin to dialogue into some things. Here in the 8th verse, the Apostle Paul is actually quoting from the book of Deuteronomy in chapter number 30. When the prophet Moses said to Israel, it's his final farewell message, he said, I want you to follow the law of God. Now, I'm paraphrasing that little excerpt. He said, I want you to follow the law of, the law of God and honor God in all your heart and all that you do. And then he talked about the, the word of the Lord. He said, it's not way up in heaven that you got to go and get it. And it's not way off yonder that you got to go and find it. Here's where he said it's at. He said, but what saith it? He was talking about Deuteronomy. What saith it? What saith the word? The word is nigh thee. This is how close it is. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. Right there it is. That is the word of faith. Say that with me. The word of faith which we preach. Now look at this. When I was born again, this is the passage that the preacher took me to at Landmark Baptist Church. I was eight years old. And he took me to this passage in a Sunday school classroom following children's church. And I sat in an old school desk. And the light was just barely coming in the window. And I can remember it. And he took me to this verse right here, verse number 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, notice this, and notice this process, a man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. The 13th verse said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what I did, and I was thus born again. Today I want to focus our attention and back up to that 8th verse. There's those four words that just stand out to me today. They've been dropped in my spirit. It says the word of faith. The word of faith. I want to talk to you today about the word of faith. The word of faith. Not the word of hope. Not the word of what might be. But the word of faith. 
Let's pray. Father, I love you. I'm grateful to be in this house. I feel privileged to be here, stand in front of such an awesome group of men and women, and speak the, the, the word of God today. I do ask publicly what I've asked for privately. Let there be an anointing in this meeting, God. Let the Spirit of the Lord drop down, Father, an anointing upon my head. I can't judge myself by others. I can't say, well, this church had this many, or this preacher preached this great message, God, or if in doing so, I'll always feel shallow and incomplete. But I can stand complete in who I am in Christ today, and I can stand confident that I have a word for the people today. What kind of word do I have, Father? I have a word of faith. Man, y'all missed that. Let's say it together. I have a word of faith, a word of faith. God, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. And you can be seated. I'm kind of extracting from this passage of Scripture my context, and I'm not going to preach this passage in its context, but let me always, because I believe I don't want to ever manipulate the Word of God. I don't want to take it out of its context and apply it in the wrong setting. Uh, the Apostle Paul is teaching the process of salvation, if you can use that term, a process of salvation, by the means given. And what are those means of giving? The capacity to believe. Did you know you and I each have been given to us as simply being made in the likeness and the image of God? We all have the capacity to believe. The book of Romans says in another passage, it says that we've been dealt, God's dealt to every man the measure of faith. Every one of us has inside of our heart, our mind, our soul, our inner being, an ability and a capacity to believe. We do. You can trust the Lord. Though you may never see him with your physical eye, you may never touch him with your tangible hand, but you have the ability to believe in God today. Come on, somebody. Amen. The Apostle Paul said, using this passage here to discover the process we believe in our hearts. What's our heart? It's our inner being. It's our soul in one sense. It's our mind in one sense. Not the carnal mind, but the part of your mind that can be renewed. The part of your mind that can think. It's that part of you that can relate to God. It's in your heart that you believe and you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Paul is saying this is how to be saved. In order to be saved, you believe in what Christ accomplished at the cross, you put your trust in his redemptive death on the cross and the blood that was spilled that day, and you put your faith in its atoning work, and the result will be you confess the Lord Jesus with your mouth, and thus you'll be saved. The word saved is to be delivered from destruction. You and I would say it this way, we are born again. We have regeneration. The point I want to draw your attention to, that certainly is the context. I'm not trying to take away from it. Maybe it's the most important passage of Scripture in all the Word of God. I don't know. But I want you to see that that process of faith and conversion is also applicable to our growth, our maturation, and our trusting God for His blessing. Because God has a will for your life. God has a divine purpose for your life. He didn't just save you to escape from hell. If God did not have a purpose for you following salvation, he would have snatched you up into heaven. You would have been saved and he would have killed you right then. Because he would have taken. But see, God has a destiny for you, a purpose for your life. God wants you to turn the legacy over. Some of you, all you've ever known is cursing. But the day you got saved, God expects from this day forward. 
for a generation and a heritage of faith and blessing to follow you. But I want you to see today that the means by which you procured salvation, if I can say that. Now, it was provided for you, but you had to play your part. What was your part? You have to believe. That same means, that same process is the way that we obtain the blessing of God in our lives. We believe it in our heart, and we confess it with our mouth. You and I, let me say this, we've got to learn to trust God. Let me tell you what I'm going to pray for God to do in our generation of Pentecostal believers. And that is, I pray that God rises up within us a new generation of spirit-filled Pentecostal believers who have learned to believe God. That we know how to trust the Lord. That we have faith to believe for the supernatural power of God to work in our behalf. Let me tell you what you're a part of by being in this building today. You are a part of a rich heritage of faith. Of men and women that learn to trust God. That learn to believe that with God all things are possible to him that believe. You are a part of a heritage of faith worldwide of a spirit-filled community of believers that we took the lid off and we said God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. And we are a generation of believers though if we are not careful we are not adequately receiving the baton of faith from our Pentecostal forefathers. Let me tell you what happened with this thing called the word of faith. The word of faith was morphed or birthed through Pentecostalism in the sense of the Spirit of God moving in a powerful way and a generation of believers believing that by faith God would do anything His people would believe for. But what happened as Pentecostalism gave place to the charismatic movement, within the charismatic movement a branch began to grow forth called the word of faith movement. And the word of faith movement stood upon the very principles of faith that Paul outlines in Romans 10. But unfortunately, it began to lean towards a materialistic mindset. It was always about material blessing, always about how big a car you could drive, always about how big a house that you could live in. And you and I have seen it with our own eyes. We have seen preachers fall into the trap of the love of money, which is the root of all evil. Right, And in doing so, we've seen the word of faith and movement, unfortunately, take away from preaching about righteousness and justification and speaking out about sin and the fullness of the Spirit and kind of become narrowed so much into a materialistic mindset that what happened is mainstream Pentecostalism does what we often do. We stepped all the way back on the other side of the river. And how many of you know that's not right as well? Let me tell you, the word of faith was not born in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It wasn't born in Oral Roberts' ministry. But the word of faith is near you, it's in your heart, and it's in your mouth. Let me tell you what little I know about God today. If you're going to please God, you can't please God without faith. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, without faith, it is impossible. The, typically, the only time you see the word impossible applied to God is this. It's impossible to please Him if you don't believe. But he went on to say, the writer of Hebrews said, but that you mu as you believe, you believe what? That He's God. Without faith, he said, let me quote it, without faith, it's impossible to please God. They that come unto God must believe that He is comma that he's what that he's God and you're not that he's Elohim the creator but he's also Jehovah the covenant keeping God 
He's your God today. He's not just a distant deity somewhere amongst the other pantheon of gods, but he's the personal living God who's revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. He's our God today. Come on. He is God, and listen, after the comma, and he is a rewarder who those who will diligently seek him. So we have a promise applied to our faith. If we believe God, God can do anything. You say, Pastor, what is faith? Well, that's one good question. Very few times in Scripture do we actually have God defining a theological point. But in faith, He does. Hebrews chapter number 11 tells us what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of that which is unseen. Inside you is the capacity to believe. Let me break this down for you just a moment. Let's do a little bit of teaching in this sense. Substance in that particular setting in Hebrews 11 and 1 is confidence. It's the support. It's the belief system of the thing that you hope for. But it is also the evidence. That word evidence is a legal term. It's the conviction or it's the proof of the thing that is unseen yet. So there, it is the substance. I don't possess it I don't possess the promise, but I have within my heart faith. And as long as I've got faith and I trust God, there will come a day. There will come a day that I will inherit the thing that I've hoped for. Let me go beyond. Another translation called the Amplified Bible says it's the title deed of things divinely guaranteed. Let's look at that in the analogy of this. Consider a piece of property that you have legally inherited. It's a title deed, and it guarantees you ownership. You've never seen it with your eyes. You've never visited the parcel of land. You've never walked on it like Abraham did when he sojourned in the land of promise. You've never trod on it. No one's ever sent you an image of it. The property is not in your possession. You perhaps have never even seen the property. But the thing that you do possess is the title deed. And the title deed is your faith. And because you, the title deed of your faith says you have it, then let me tell you, then it's yours. Though you're not standing in the middle of the plot of land that, was it, that you've received by inherited, though you are not there, it's as good as if you were there because you got the title deed. And if you've got something by faith, then let me tell you, then you've got it in the name of the Lord. If you possess something by faith, then you've got it. Now, I recognize this. You and I, sometimes we have to wait on God's timing. I may not have it now, but by faith, I will receive it. The Bible says in Hebrews 6 and 12, by faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. Well, that was a good point for a poor amen. By faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. I heard my famed evangelist, my, one of my favorite evangelists, R.W. Shambach, this past week listening to a couple of his messages, and he said it this way, he may not come when you want him. But he's always on time. It may not be your timing, but he will fulfill his word. If he made a promise to you and you believe it by faith, that's your title deed. Can't nobody take it from you. Can't nobody reach into your heart and snatch it out of your heart of faith. I'm going to tell you, then you're going to inherit it if you believe. I want to take you into two examples in the life of the greatest display of faith that the world has ever known. And that's in the person of Jesus Christ. I thank God for Jesus, don't you, today? I thank God He's my Savior, my Redeemer. He died in my stead. He was my substitute. And I thank God He is my Lord this morning. 
But you know one thing I love about his life? You know one thing I love about He didn't just teach me about the Father, but he also taught me how to live in my life in pleasing the Father. He didn't just die for me, but he lived for me. Peter said he left us an example that following in his footsteps. When I was uh, younger and my children were smaller, I noticed when I would take them in the woods hunting and, and, and I would move this way, they would be right behind me following in my footsteps. And I thank God today that we can follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We can learn from his life and his example because the word of faith is nigh thee. It's in your heart and it's in your mouth. And it is the key to unlock the blessing of God. Without faith, you're not going to unlock the blessing of God. Isn't that right? I don't care. I'll, I'll show you. Let's go to this passage. I'm going to, for the sake of time, not read all 15 verses. I'm going to highlight these passages because I've got two passages I've got to take to you, and that's all. But I've got to show you this today. Are you all with me out there today? Don't you want to learn to walk in faith? I want to show you something today. It's in Mark's Gospel, the ninth chapter. Let's turn there real quickly. They're going to put it on the screen if you're able to follow us there. It's verses 14 through 29. Now, let me set the stage for you for just a moment. And then, again, for the sake of time, I'll have to glean rather than reading over the entire 15 or 16 verses of Scripture. Is anybody familiar with the Mount of Transfiguration? That's where Jesus took Peter, James, and John, the three inner disciples, up to a mountain and he left the other three for several days. It was a two or three day journey. And up on the mountain, the Bible says he was transfigured in front of them. Transfigured means that the inward power and radiance began to, began to flow outwardly upon him. And he went from looking like a common Jew to looking like a radiant Savior. Come on now. He was glorious. Moses and Elijah appear, talk to Jesus. Peter, James, and John are in awe. This is the passage where they hear the voice of God speaking to them and promising that this is my beloved son, hear him. And they're coming back down the mountain. They're talking. It takes a day for them to journey back down. And when they get back down to where he had originally been with the other disciples and the other people that followed his ministry, he noticed a large crowd has gathered. And as he notices a large crowd has gathered, he sees the scribes talking with those nine disciples and he can tell that something's not quite right there's a little bit of contention and there's a little bit of communication back and forth between the scribes and the disciples he so jesus then asked the scribes why question ye with my disciples but rather than the scribes speak up a man from the crowd speaks up it's a distraught father and this distraught father brings to Jesus information about what's taking place in his absence. And he said, Jesus, it'll, it'll probably be right here. Let's, we can go ahead and turn it down just a little bit. We'll follow down with it. I want you to see right here. It's the 17th verse. One of the multitudes said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which has a dumb spirit. So he's unable to speak. And he says, and wherefore, look at this. Look at the situation. He taketh him. He tears him. He foams, he gnashes with his teeth, he pines away. I'm going to tell you, that's a difficult thing when that's your child. Wasting away in the drug culture, in the power of addiction. The enemy's got a stronghold in that day upon this child. Some say this is epileptic. 
seizure that you're going to see take place in a few moments. But look what happens here. He said, and I spoke to your disciples. I brought him to the nine that they should cast him out, and they could not. So if we can recreate the scene, Jesus and the three are coming down the mountain. The man's brought the boy to Jesus' other nine. The other nine are attempting to do what they've seen Jesus do, exercise the demon. And they are not able to drive the devil out of this man's son. And the, the man is now not only distraught but disappointed because he came with high expectations. But when Jesus heard this, I want you to see his reaction. Because every now and then we get a little glimpse into the personality of Jesus other than just him as the good shepherd with arms outstretched, welcoming us as wayward sheep. But we see something inside of him that's frustrated. He's frustrated here. He's frustrated here over what? Over faith and the absence of genuine faith. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us who his frustration is towards. Is it towards the man or is it towards his nine disciples? Either way, let me say this to you today. There are two things that you read about in the Word of God that cause Jesus to marvel. Number one, faith. There are times that he marveled. He looked around and said, I have not found. I'll tell you, put a smile on his face. Remember the centurion whose servant was healed when Jesus spoke the word only? Jesus stopped and looked at his nine disciples and said, I've been looking for somebody just like this centurion, somebody who would believe God. But the other thing that caused him to marvel was people's unbelief. And he stood and he said, look what he called this generation. He called it a faithless generation. I'm afraid if we're not careful, we're going to become a faithless generation, not learning how to believe God. I don't know about you, I want to believe God. I want to trust the Lord and the blessing of God. Now let's go a little bit farther and let's look at this and see what happens. And so Jesus said, just bring the child to me, 19th verse. And as they brought him to him, look at this. When he saw him, the spirit inside the boy began to tear him. There's a lot of ways I could apply this message. We see that so often in church. People start to come to God and all hell breaks loose. They visit church for the first time, and they're like, man, I'm going to start serving God. And all of a sudden, they lose their job. One kid gets uh, in trouble at school. Everything begins to, to just fall out. What is it? The enemy is trying to tear that home because he knows something's at work. And agitation is about to take place. And this spirit begins to tear this young boy. And he falls down to the ground. And he's wallowed, foaming right there at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus then asks him a question. He said, when did this happen? When did this start? Did it start last week, last month, last year? And the man confessed that was since he was a child, since he was a little child. And he actually said this. He said he would actually try to destroy him. He would be walking by the water, by the, by the, by the lake or the sea, and the enemy would come on him and try to drown him in the water. Or he said he'd be warming himself by the fire on a cold winter's night and the enemy would try to bump him in the fire to destroy him. Let me tell you about our enemy today. There's no good in him. I want you to know today he is a destroyer. He comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I came to announce today he's defeated by the virtue of Jesus Christ and we have victory over him. Come on, somebody. We've got victory over the adversary. 
And, and Jesus in this moment of time gains this additional information and look what happened to this man's request. And this is where you better listen with the ear of faith today. Listen, because if you don't, you're going to miss and you're going to be trapped in the same scenario that you've always been. You have thought that if you could just tug on the heartstrings of God enough, he would move on your behalf. Because here's what the Father's prayer request is. Have compassion on us. Have compassion on us. Let me tell you today, God is compassionate. And I can't tell you there are not times that compassion doesn't just move the heart of God. I believe there are times that compassion, but let me tell you this today. I can stand here with a clear conviction. Sometimes compassion is not the only factor necessary because God is always compassionate. But he's looking for something. What's he looking for? Look at this next verse. Read it with me real quickly. Jesus said, because he said, if thou can do anything, then help us. Help us. And I love what Jesus said to him. If thou canst, if thou canst believe, then all things. My God, that's good right there. All things are possible to him. That will believe. Now, I study the scriptures quite a lot, and I know that there are different theological positions, and I'm gonna go out on a theological limb very quickly today. There are those that in the theological world that want to tell us that this scripture is not applicable to everybody. And they've developed an entire spiritual theological standpoint that this belonged only to the immediate audience of Jesus on that day. And I want to say this to you today. You have to decide for yourself if that's the right dividing of the word of God. But as for me and my house, let me tell you, I believe that that thou that is being spoken right there is speaking to me. If I can't believe, then all things Things are, are possible to him that will believe. Do you believe that today, church family? Now notice this. Notice what happened. We're going to turn to one other passage in a moment. Jesus then authoritatively, by faith in his heart and with the word of his mouth, he rebuked the foul spirit. Verse number 25, notice this key word, saying. Saying, open your mouth. The word of faith is nigh It's in your heart and it's in your mouth. If you're not speaking the authoritative word of God, you're not using the sword that God's given you to wage warfare on your adversary. Say, and he spoke to that demon spirit, thou dumb and deaf spirit, Come out of him. And the Bible says that he came out of him. He said, and enter no more into him. Key point. All things are possible if we believe. Now, notice this. When the boy was delivered of the demon, he collapsed like he was dead. And there was a little brief moment when the people in the crowd said, my God, he's dead. And I contemplated that. How many of you know sometimes... There is, an, there is a, almost like an intermission at times between the prophetic word being spoken in faith and then the answer coming to pass. And this is where many of us stumble 
Because in our waiting, we often revert to our own negative way of thinking that I'm going to talk about in closing here in just a moment. So you got to be careful. But Jesus went over, lifted him up by his hand, and raised him up and restored him to his father. Now later the disciples were asking him, said, Lord, why could we not cast the devil out? Mark only records that Jesus said that this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. How many believe in prayer and fasting today? How many know that we are negligent, including myself, of doing so because it helps sharpen and deepen our faith? It mortifies our flesh and it gives us a more sensitive ear to trust God and believe God. But that's not the only factor here. Matthew records the entire story. And Matthew said, Jesus said, because of your unbelief. Because you didn't believe. Inside you is the power to believe. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't believe God for the miracle that you're waiting for. Man, that's a good word right there. Let me show you, in closing today, one additional passage of Scripture. Can I do that today, please? I don't know what time, so I don't get nervous. How about I don't look at the clock? I know I've followed some tremendous preachers up here today, but I'm telling you, this is the word for you today. This is the word of faith. Let me show you the most infamous passage related to faith through the Mort of Faith movement. And let's see if it's applicable to us here today in closing this message. Mark chapter number 11. This is the final week of Jesus' life here on earth um, before his death on the cross. Mark chapter number 11. He's made the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He's gone back to Bethany to stay the night. And he's coming back to the temple the next day. We're going to read just a few verses to get started. Um, If we can, can we go back to that 11th verse, to the 14th verse up there, Lord, if we can? Because that's where I'd like to start with just real quickly. And the Bible says that as he's making his journey in there, and if we can't, that's fine. Jesus is making his way into Jerusalem. He notices a fig tree. Everybody remember that, a fig tree. And he sees that it's got green leaves on it, and he must be hungry. He's looking for a fig bar breakfast, kind of like Pastor Brown. He's looking for a fig bar breakfast, and he goes to it. The Bible says if happily he might find some. But the Bible says the time of figs is not yet. And Jesus then does something very ironic. And there's a lot of different dimensions to what he does. I'm not going to talk about all those dimensions today. But what he did do is this. He said, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter. We call that cursing the fig tree. And you know what Jesus did? He turned and he walked away from it. It looked just like it did when he spoke to it, when he walked away from it. There was no immediate response. There was nothing tragic. Lightning did not fall from heaven and split the tree and kill it right in front of their eyes. But Jesus spoke the word and went about his business. And the Bible then says, and the next day, that's the 20th verse, if we can. We'll begin to pick that up, if we can, in that 20th verse. And the next day, they're making their way back to Jerusalem in the morning. And look what happens. 20th verse. And they passed by. They saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And when Peter, the Bible says, Peter saw it, he was like astonished. He was like, oh my gosh, look what's happened. The fig tree that was covered in green leaves in the early spring of the year is now withered to the very root. Its branches are crunchy and the leaves are brown. And he's amazed at the fig tree. 
And he even says to Jesus, he said, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And it's like he's saying it, that Jesus might have the same shock that he does. But how many of you know Jesus was not surprised when he made his way back from Bethany to Jerusalem along the familiar path and he would see the same fig tree that the day before was green and flowering, just not with fruit, and the next day it's dry and withered, dried up at the very root. Why? Because he had in his heart something called the word of faith. And he had exercised the word of faith, not expecting anything immediate at that exact moment. And he walked away because sometimes you got to walk in faith, waiting in patience for God to bring about what he promised in your life. And then Jesus did what I love that he does. He began to teach the principle of faith. Let's close with this because I love what he said in that 22nd verse. He said, have faith in God. I said, have faith in God today. I didn't say have faith in your faith. I didn't say have faith in a system or a structure. I said put your faith in an unchanging God. Put your faith in a God who cannot lie. Put your faith in a God who was before you got here and he'll be here after you're gone. He is that God. Put your faith in that God today. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Come on, somebody. Have faith in God. It's, one, I love one person else said, you know what, you could also say it this way, have the God kind of faith. I like that as well. Exercise faith like God exercised in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, remember what I said. This won't take me long. Romans 10 says, where does it start? We believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth. So, Look what Jesus, for verily I say unto you that whosoever, there are those that are in certain theological camps, as I've mentioned, would say that belongs to the first century. But I can say it this way today, for Jesus said that I say unto you that the good folks in First Assembly on the fourth Sunday in April 2019, if they will say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in their heart, but shall believe that the words that they say shall come to pass. Then they're going to have whatsoever they say. Come on, let's see if we can tie it together for just a moment. The word of faith is nigh thee. It's in your heart and it's in your mouth. With the heart you believe and with the mouth you confess. Let me tell you today, in the name of Jesus, the life of God's on the inside of you. It's called the word of faith. But you've got to believe it. You've got to allow it to grow inside you. And you've got to have the confidence to begin to speak it and to declare it authoritatively in your life. Those of you that are in blue shirts today, you're in a blue shirt because you have faced a mountain of addiction. I can look at you today with the most sincere, clearest conviction that I believe in all my heart that you have the power to say into that addiction 
conviction. Be thou cast into the sea and not doubt in your heart. And if you will believe it, you'll emerge from this program forever changed by the power of God. That addiction will have dried up from the very root. And you'll live a life of blessing instead of a life of cursing. If you will believe. If you'll believe. Let me tell you where we've got to guard ourselves. Can I say that? I'm getting ready to close. I know that some of you say, he's a liar. <laughs> Let me tell you where we're at in today's generation. We've not taught you to guard your words adequately enough. We so distance ourselves from the word of faith movement, Jojo, we're afraid to teach people the power of positive profession and confession. Because let me tell you what we're doing. What we're doing, we're coming to a hot spot like this. I mean, you know those hot spots for, uh, you know, the internet and stuff like that? I mean, no, this is a hot spot. Yep. Come on, this is a hot spot. Come on, God's sending out a signal, and everybody can get it, but this is a hot spot right here. And as long as you're here, you're speaking faith. As long as you're here, you're like, I'm saved and sanctified. God's blessing me. I'm going forward. I'm, I, I'm conquering. He's working in me by grace. I'm blessed. I'm wearing a bracelet that says, I was blessed to be a blessing. And you're speaking life, and you're getting out in the world. And then you start speaking death. People start asking, well, how are you doing? And all of a sudden, you pour out all your complaint to them, all your sorrow, all your distress, everything that you're going through, what the doctor said, what your family said, your daddy who didn't love you and how he cursed you. I don't care what that daddy cursed you with. My God spoke a blessing over you. And if you'll believe it, you'll flourish in the blessing of God. You'll flourish in the power and the presence of God. James 3, verse number 10 says, out of the same mouth, we're speaking blessing and we're speaking cursing. How many know the Proverbs says the power of life and death is in the tongue? Come on, listen. Here's something that I taught my children, and I said this to them. I saw in the, bath, in the gospel of Matthew, Jesus said this, every plant that my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. And so whenever I in my life spoke a negative word into them, about them, or in front of them, then in the name of Jesus, I said, I curse that plant in the name of the Lord, and I pluck it up. It won't live in my family. It won't live in my home. It won't live in our relationship with each other. If I ever spoke a negative word about my children in Jesus' name, in my private devotion, I curse that because I didn't want it to be a tear growing amongst the wheat in their own life. But I cursed it and said, God, I snatch it out of their life and I speak blessing, I speak favor, I speak the life of God, I speak the good things of God. They're the head and not the tail. They're above and not beneath. They're blessed coming in. They're blessed going out. They're blessed in the storehouse, the field, and the basket. And let me tell you, if you live your life every day in the quiet confidence that he's put something in your heart called the word of faith, the very thing that formed the worlds, that holds the worlds into their place, holds the cosmos in its place, is the word of God. And you say, Pastor, I'm searching for it. Where's it at? It's in your heart, and it's in your mouth. Believe it, speak it, and you'll have life. And you'll have the blessing of God upon your home, upon your marriage, upon your children, upon your health. I don't care what the devil said. I, I mean, the doctor said. I don't, wanna, I don't care about those reports. What's the report of the Lord? 
What are you going to believe? Believe what he said. Trust in the Lord. Daryl, would you join me on the platform? We're going to close this message out today. I'm going to nip it short just for the sake of time because I'd like for us to do something. I wrote this in my concluding notes here today. Certainly, obviously, our desires, the things we're believing God for, can't be just carnal and fleshly. How many know that's the stated obvious, right? You can't be longing for things, trusting God for them, and they're so far outside the will of God for your life. James said you're asking amiss. So we don't do that. Obvious number two is there needs to be forgiveness in your heart. That was the addendum to that passage. When you stand praying, stand forgiving. Pastor, I deal with unforgiveness. Speak to it. Does that make sense? Pastor, I deal with unforgiveness in my life. Speak to it. It's a mountain. God, I curse that mountain of unforgiveness in my heart. God, I'm scarred by things that happened to me. God, I curse that in the name of Jesus. Naaman's flesh was leprous till he came up out of the water on the seventh time. And then his flesh was made clean like a newborn babe's. Your conscience is scarred from things that people have said to you. God can heal it. How many believe that? The Bible says God can give you a Manasseh. He can make you forget. Cause you to forget things that people have said about you, spoke to you. I wish I could say everybody had a father or a mother that spoke life over them. Many of you do not and did not. But let me tell you, those plants don't have to grow in your life. Come on, do they? Pluck it up. Pluck it up by faith. Curse it. Turn this thing from cursing to blessing. Begin to, a generation of blessing, systematically speaking life and blessing in the favor of God. The word of faith. It's time to have a new generation of faith. Are you all okay with that? I'm okay with that. Listen, I'm not necessarily, I'm not trying to be overly critical. I'm not talking about having seven Rolls Royces in your 13th barn. I'm not talking about that, but I am talking about a legacy of life and blessing that doesn't live in fear, but lives in faith. That when you face crisis, and you will face crisis, you say, Pastor, you're speaking doubt. No, I'm not. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. It's a fallen world that we live in. It's around us. But at the same, I'm not going to become distraught. I'm going to shake it off because inside of me is the power to produce change. What is that? I will speak the word of God. I will first believe it, and then I will speak it. Jesus rebuked his generation, and he called them a faithless generation. I don't want to hear that spoken over us. Do you? I hope he's looking at us and saying, man, there's, I hope Jesus is like right now looking up in heaven. He's looking around. He's like, are y'all hearing me? Can you see him right now? He's standing in the presence of God. Angels are all around. Can't you just, I hope he's looking down and saying, right there they are. There's a group of people that believe me. They're trusting me. They're trusting my word. We've got to stop becoming dependent upon someone else's faith. If you're not careful, you'll create an addiction to someone else's faith. Why I love that story and the reason I chose the story about the man whose son was demonized, he was always wanting somebody else to do what he had the power to do himself. Did y'all hear that? He could fast. He could pray. He could believe God. I'm not saying don't ask for people to pray for you, but quit living in the strength of their faith. Develop your own. Develop your own faith. Where's it at, Pastor? The word of faith is in your heart and in your mouth. I want to ask everyone to stand today. 
And here's how I'd like to close this message. I want to ask you to do something. If you can, and if you will, if you're willing to, if you've got mountains in your life, or things in your life that you're dealing with, and you're just honest. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to say that it really ought to be everybody. Maybe you don't have a mountain of addiction, but that don't mean you're not dealing with something in your life. That you need the blessing of God. Then I want to ask you to come to the altar because we're all going to pray together. We're all going to pray together. So if you would, I want you to come. And then before you get started, I want you to look up here at me because I want to share a couple things in prayer for you today. You say, Pastor, you know, I don't have the knowledge of somebody like yourself or these other pastoral leaders. I'm not trained in all that, you know, I haven't hid the word in my heart for year after year after year. You've got to start somewhere. You've got to start somewhere. You've got at least one word today. If you don't know anything, if you can't quote a single Bible verse, on the screen in front of you today was a word that said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast in the sea. Shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that the words that he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. I want us to do two things in closing if we can today. Number one, I don't think it's wrong to say to each one of you, we should repent before the Lord of our negative speech. Can I just be honest? Don't live in the negative realm. Every one of us have found ourselves replicating negative words. We have. We've spoken it. And what happens after a while, you do it over and over again. Your conviction is seared. Your conscience is seared. Your spirit's trying to convict you of it, but you've shut it off. Well, this is, a, you know, this is by, uh, you know, my mom died of this disease, and I probably will as well. Come on. Well, you know, the doctor said that it's, it's, it's uh, in our genes, it's in our genetic, and, and, it's, and it's passed from this family member, so it'll probably be in me as well. Does that sound like familiar words to anybody here today? I know I'm in the middle of your business, but I'm trying to tell you the truth today. Curse it in the name of Jesus. Curse that fig tree at the root. Pluck it up. I don't care how long it's been there. I don't care how many subsequent generations that it's been in your family. Don't judge yourself by their faith. Don't judge yourself by the outcome of their situation. You just believe. That's what he said. Whosoever will say, then believe it. And what are you going to do? You're going to receive it. So I think we start in repentance. I know that when I started studying this message out, I, you know what? I looked deep in my own life and I started saying, God, forgive me when I have not plucked up uh, roots that have been started because of negative words sown in unbelief. Forgive me when I've spoken unbelief and I've not spoken the word of God. So I want to ask you to let's take just a moment right now as our heads are bowed in the Lord's presence between you and God. And I'm just trying to help because this is of my own personal experience. Father, forgive me. Who will pray that prayer with me? Father, forgive me when I have spoken words that were not born of faith. Did you hear that? You heard yourself right there. God, forgive me when I've spoken words of unbelief. I've spoken words that were negative. I've spoken words of critical, uh, criticizing and judgmental. I've, I've, I've echoed other people's thoughts, imaginations. 
Someone said this about me. Someone said this to me. And I spoke it. I, I took it and I passed it on, God. I want to curse that in the name of Jesus. I want to see it dry up at the very root, God. Don't let that plant grow in my life, Father. I curse it in Jesus' name. And now today, God, y'all pray with me right now in your own way. I'm just giving you a little bit of a model. Jesus' disciples said, Lord, show us how to pray, and he did. I'm going to show you right now. In your own heart, say words like this, Father, I believe your word. I believe the word of God. I believe it to be true. You're not a man that should lie. God, if you said it, then I believe it. And if I believe it, I can receive it, God, in Jesus' name. Whatever good thing you've promised me, whatever good thing the Word of God says to me, to my family, to my home, to my marriage, to my relationship, to my singleness, to whatever season of life I'm in, God, whatever good thing that you promised in my life, I receive it by faith in Jesus' name. The mountain that I'm dealing with, the sickness that's been in my life, Come on, men in the blue shirts, the addictions that I've faced, the drug addiction, the alcohol addiction, the pornography addiction, the manipulation, the sexual abuse and addiction that's been in my life, I curse it in the name of Jesus. Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. And I believe in my heart, he that the Son has set free is free indeed. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm made whole by the blood of the Lamb. My life is pleasing to God. How do I know that I'm pleasing to God? Because I possess faith. He that comes to God shall believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. God, I diligently seek You today. And today, now church family, I'm getting ready to dismiss you. All I'm doing is teaching you a model. A I'm giving you a tool. This is not a one and done. Did y'all hear me? This is not a one and done moment. This is every day of your life, you speak life. Did y'all hear that? My goodness, JoJo was in agreement with me. I'm not sure everybody else was. Every day of your life, speak life. Speak the word. Speak hope in Jesus' name. Give no place to doubt. Give no place to unbelief. Live your life with a smile on your face, knowing that God is for you and He is not against you. And walk out of this house today and say, God, the pastor put into my hand a tool, a means, a process of receiving the blessing of God. And he didn't get it out of a commentary. He got it directly out of the life of Jesus. And God, I want to please you by emulating the life of Jesus. So God, I speak life over my church family. From everyone, I'm going to bless you as you leave. God, if they came in one way, let them go out another. If they came in downcast, let them go out, Father, with a smile and joy in their heart. If they came in sick, let them walk out healed, God, in Jesus' name. If they came in oppressed and depressed, let them walk out of here today with the confidence that the countenance of God is shining upon them in Jesus' name. God, I bless each one, every man, every woman, every young adult, every young person under the sound of my voice today. I speak hope. I speak blessing, I speak favor, I speak grace, I speak the good things of God, and we pluck up 
everything that, that you have not sown in our lives. And we're going to go forth and be the children you've called us to be. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on somebody, amen and amen.